Welcome to Faith and Friction Season 2. Two. Come on. We are confronting the challenging conversations that cause friction in yeah. the church. Season 1 was incredible. Yeah. 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 The feedback that we've gotten from people has been nothing but the Lord, but people are falling in love with the Word of God. They're starting Bible studies. They've been encouraged by our conversation that's healthy and dynamic. And so y'all get ready for season two. It's going to be better. We're going to have experts and we're just going to go deeper into the word of God. So we started a Patreon and we launched that on Christmas Day. And already there's been hundreds of you that have joined on Patreon. We already have six episodes on Patreon that aren't public. So if you want to see those episodes, you can go to Patreon. You can click the link in our bio and go sign up for Patreon right now. We'll be posting things as we move forward. Extended videos, mm -hmm. extended episodes, exclusive teaching and different things. And so we're excited about that community that's growing there. And if you're already a part of that community, thanks so much for sowing into what God is doing in faith and friction. We don't take it lightly yeah. and we believe that the best is yet to come. And as things unfold around the world, we thank you for trusting us and what God is doing in us and around us and through us to go on this journey with us. And so we're excited. Go sign up for Patreon. Yeah. But yeah. today for our season two opener, we are talking about Israel. Yes, We're talking yeah. about Gaza. We're talking about that whole thing yeah. that people are talking about searching and looking for. And we want to dive into that a little deeper today. And so yeah. uh, you talk about a friction topic. Oh no kidding. Gosh. I mean, Definitely. what's been on the news and ever since the attack, I mean, just in the college campuses, this is one of the most polarizing subjects. Yeah. And you wouldn't think that a group of people or a land would cause that much commotion mm -hmm. unless there's more to it than the natural side. And there is a supernatural battle. There has been since the beginning over the land of Israel, mm -hmm. and the enemy's been trying to take out the Jews for mm -hmm. centuries and centuries and centuries. Yeah. So we're right in the middle of it. Friction, here we come. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about what happened on October 7th, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So Already I that know. long ago. It's, wow. And it's still happening. It's crazy. October 7th, Hamas launched a land, sea, and air assault on Israel from the Gaza Strip. There were 2,200 rockets in 20 minutes. More than 1,200 Israeli citizens died, which is the deadliest day since it's been a nation of Israel. Um, 240 people were taken hostage, and the next day Israel declared a war. I mean, rightfully so. What's interesting about this, when I was looking at this information, was that it happened on a feast day. And so if you don't know, when world events collide with feast days, it means something prophetic, and it's at least significant enough for you to be like, oh, let me, let me look into this. Uh, I wanted to share a couple of other times that world events have happened on feast days, mm -hmm. just so we can all have an understanding. I like, first of all, that the literal meaning of the word feast in the Hebrew, which is moedim, means appointed times. So these are times that God has already set, and he's like, hey, these mean something important. So Passover is one of those. That was when Jesus was crucified. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus was in the grave the first day of that feast. The Feast of First Fruits was when Jesus was res resurrected 
on that day. And so these are all feasts that were appointed way before this happened. And the fact that Jesus kind of fulfilled those feasts and the meaning of them is very significant. There are other days, though, in um, Hebrew days that things have happened on. So the 17th day of Tammuz, I think that's how you say it, three weeks of mourning. These are things that have happened on that day throughout the years. So Moses broke the stone tablets of the law on that day. The Babylonians invaded Jerusalem and stopped daily sacrifices. And 70 AD, Romans invaded and stopped the daily sacrifices again. And so all of that happened on that one day. And then the Day of Judgment, which is the 9th of Av, um, 587 BC, Babylonians destroyed Solomon's temple. On that day, in 70 AD, Romans destroyed Herod's temple. And in 2090 AD, England expelled the Jews all on this same day throughout the years. 1492 AD, Spain expelled the Jews. In 1914, World War I was declared, and Russia launched a program to persecute the Jews on that day. It's wild. And, yeah, you very, plan very, it like you that. can't. That's yeah. a coincidence. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So these are significant days on and significant world events. Rosh Hashanah, 1993, the Oslo Agreements, and 2020, the Abrahamic Accords. Now, I did look into those. It's like one or two days off, but I know that they kind of do their days differently than us. Mm-hmm. So it's still within that time frame. Mm-hmm. Day of Atonement is another day. Aaron made atonement for Israel. And in 1973, Israel was saved from an annihilation in the Yom Kippur War. So that was the Day of Atonement. So we go back to this day, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. Sukkot? How do you say Sukkot, that? Yeah. Sukkot? That was the attack on the Gaza Strip. This is the same day that Solomon's temple was dedicated. And most scholars agree that this feast is symbolic of Christ's second coming. So could it be a prophetic marker wow. to the third temple and the second coming? Yeah, no, that's that's really wild. And man, as we're digging into a lot of these things, none of this stuff is, like you said, none of it's coincidence. Yeah. And as things are happening for centuries, for thousands of years, Israel has just been the the epicenter mm-hmm. of global conflicts of things that are happening of the causation for different wars and different things and as we're talking about things that happened historically and we can understand the history of things it helps us also understand the prophecy that is in the bible and so a lot of people may be asking the question like man does the bible actually cover what's happening in israel does the bible cover okay what's happening in the Gaza Strip and in the West Bank and all these things that we're reading about and seeing in the news that you maybe not have ever read yourself in scripture. And so I love that uh, a phrase that I've heard before is that what it says in the scripture and prophecy of the scripture are tomorrow's headlines. Mm -hmm. And so it's cool to think that, man, none of this is surprising to God. None of this is shocking to God. Similar to our rapture episode that we had about the end times to where right in scripture, we can know what's to come. God gave us the word 
so that we can say that one more time. Prophetic intelligence. Prophetic Come intelligence. Yeah. Come on, we need to get that on a t-shirt or something. Prophetic. Like you know, would y'all buy a shirt that says yes. prophetic intelligence? Yes. Well, let's remember that. But God gave us his word so that we'd be able to interpret the times and know what's to come. And so there's a few scriptures and things that we want to kind of go through, not just biblically, but historically as well, that line up that'll make you go, wow, this was all written yeah. already. And we're seeing this played out right before our very eyes. And so in the book of Joel, in Joel chapter three, I just want to read a scripture uh, real quick. And this is around 800 BC where this is taking place, where it says in Joel chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, for behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me? And I'll stop right there. And so I love in this, in scripture, where it talks about the nations. And it says that I will gather all the nations because they have scattered out my people. And so one thing that we want to establish history-wise, because a lot of the comments and things that we're reading and seeing in mainstream media, people are addressing 1948, you know, and saying 70 years, this is what's happening. And a lot of even the uproar and the stuff that people are are stirred up about are regarding in what the past 70 years have been. But this is something that's been thousands of years in the, in the making. Yeah. An ancient war. Ancient yeah. wars that have been happening. Again, this land has been the epicenter of so many things biblically up until now. And it says here that, that uh, God is going to, let me read this one more time. It says, and I'll enter into judgment with them on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the term the nations scattered them about. And so mm -hmm. when you think about that, and it makes you think about the United Nations mm -hmm. on earth right now and what their part is in regards to this land, that the United Nations are taking this land and they're dividing it in ways that are scattering out not only the Jewish people, but God's people that he talks about, just like in that scripture when he says that he'll do that for his heritage and his people. And so a question that you might ask is why the Jewish people? Why are they important when it comes to these things? Why are they the center of conversation? Why are they, you know, the measuring stick of what's happening or where we're at? And um, PJ, I know you had, uh, you'd studied this out at length also. And can you kind of just bring some some further understanding on why it's so important that somebody may hear to the Jew first, even biblically, and, and try to interpret that. It's interesting you bring up Joel chapter 3. Um, I don't know if, if you guys realize this, but when he was reading in verse 4, it says, Indeed, what have you to do with me, O, uh, o Tyre and Sidon? And it's sore instead of Tyre, but since we're speaking English, we're going to say Tyre and Sidon. And it says, All the coast of Philistia. Will you retaliate against me? And then he goes on the same verse four. But if you retaliate against me, he's speaking of this area on the coast, swiftly and speedily, I will return your retaliation upon your own head. Mm. And if you check that out, this area that Joel chapter three, verse four is talking about is modern day Gaza. 
in Israel. Amazing. What? I mean, these are not coincidences. Yeah. I mean, it's in the fact that he said, what have you to do with me? Otar and Sidon, and the coast of Phil- Philistia. <laughs> and, and he oh said, gosh. if you do this, I, I will return That's upon crazy. your head. That's amazing. And even, that, even if you continue reading, it says, for you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far away from their own border. Mm-hmm. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return wow. your payment on your own head. Wow. That is all judgment for the land that and they are trying to divide. Crazy. And so, again, this is not an issue that just sparked up in the past century. This is biblically, we're talking 800 BC. You know, this is before Christ even. Yeah. And they're speaking of the times and the things that we're living through and going through now. And so, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, talking about why Israel, why the Jews, um, like I said earlier, there's there's no other subject at this point in time that is more polarizing. I mean, just to see the division uh, when you talk about Israel and the Jews and this whole, you would think this attack, this terrorist attack, everybody would be on the same side going, this is terrible. Not reje- It doesn't mean you're rejecting Palestinians just because you reject terrorist attack. I mean, like you guys said, I have friends, you know, that are Palestinian, you know, and so it has nothing to do with the individuals. Yeah. It's the spirit behind it. And Scripture tells us in Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right. So the enemy would love nothing more yeah. than to stay in the background hidden, and we look everywhere but him as the root of all this and blame each other and blame you know the economy and the governments, and really it's Satan mm-hmm. uh, always attacking that land, trying to divide the land, doing everything the opposite of God's will. And you know I want to give you a couple Scriptures on just uh, why Israel's important and why are the Jews so important. Um, it's not like if you're a Jew, you're better than anybody else. We're not saying that, but they are chosen. They're God's chosen yeah. people. And scripture is very clear of this. And so when we're talking about the judgment for dividing the land, when God says, don't divide the land, and he gives it to this people, and that was thousands of years ago, man can't divide what God has said not yeah. to divide. And so this is just part of uh, what Joel said is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, Israel, the land itself, God gave it to Abraham. In Genesis 12, he's like, go to the land I will show you, and that land will be your land. And from that land, I'll bless all the nations of the world. Yeah. You know, the majority of the Old Testament, or I should say much of the Old Testament, surrounds the children of Israel fighting to possess the land that God mm-hmm. gave them. Yeah. And much of modern times, especially in the last hundred years, surrounds Israel fighting to maintain and possess the land that God gave them. You know, um, the New Testament begins... In the land of Israel, it ends in the land of Israel. Yeah. If you're a student of prophecy, you can't uh, just underestimate the importance of being aware of the times and what's happening in the land of Israel. It's like God's, uh, I've heard someone say it's like God's uh, clock. You know, you look at Israel and you can see everything that God said is surrounding that. Mm-hmm. So we can ignore it or we can be wise to what God's doing. Um, it's such an important area. I mean, Jerusalem itself, all the things that have happened to Jerusalem, it has been contested since the beginning of time. And I want to just talk about the Jews for a second because that is so polarizing right now. And just what does God have to say about the Jews? As Christians, are we yeah. supposed to? You know, I've heard some people say, like with the Red Heifer, for example, episode, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't help the Jews with anything. They're, they rejected Christ. They're evil or whatever it might be. They, they're not doing the will of God. Uh, they don't, you know, 
receive what God, Jesus. believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of Christians I've talked to over the years, especially as a pastor, have wrestled with this. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the red heifer, the guy who originally was going to have him come look at the red heifer, and he talked to his pastor, and he said, don't you get involved with the Jews or Israel. Um, they're evil, well, and they're against God and against Christ. So he backed away. Well, <clears throat> is that the truth? What does the Bible have to say? Well, in Genesis 12, I just mentioned it in verse 3, God told Abraham, he said, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's through the descendants of Abraham. And if you think about it, Jesus has come from that lineage. All of the earth has been blessed through them. But their job was to protect, back to our Nephilim, uh, our seed war you know, episode, to protect the seed. And they are just strict enough and just disciplined enough to keep the word of God exactly the way God wanted it and to protect that seed. But Romans 1.16 says something that's very important. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, I used to read that or hear that and think the Jew first means the Jew is better or more beloved by God or more special than anybody else. And that's not what it says. It says to the Jew first. And I'm going to give you in the next 20 seconds just seven ways I had written down uh, why the Jews are first. Okay, so if the New Testament says that, Jesus said, I came to Israel first. So he told the Syrophoenician woman, I believe, he said, uh, and I think she was Syrophoenician, but he said, your time is not yet. Uh, No, she wasn't. I don't remember what she was. But anyway, she wasn't Jewish. Mm -hmm. And he said, your time is not yet. I have come to Israel first. Mm -hmm. And that looks like favoritism by God but it's just the order in which God has done things. He's honoring what they have done and how they, the gospel came to us through them. The first way is the Jews were first before the Gentiles as the chosen people of God. I mean, Gentile and believer and, and Christian did not exist at the time. And so God brought his promises into the world through this group of people. He, it also is the Jews were first before the Gentiles as guardians of God's special revelation, the Old and New Testament uh, scriptures. Um, the Jews were first before the Gentiles and that the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ, came first as a Jew to the Jews. Okay, he, so yeah. that's kind of... like, he's Jewish. Yeah, um, yeah he yeah, is yeah. Jewish. <laughs> um, the Jews were first for the Gentiles and that salvation is from the Jews. We wouldn't have yeah. the gospel if it wasn't for what God did through them. And that's John four twenty two. Salvation is of or from the Jews. Um, we were grafted into the tree of Israel, by the way. It's not the other way around. You know, the scripture, Romans 11, says that. So it's not that they were grafted into us. We were grafted into Abraham through them. Uh, just real quick, the Jews were first in evangelism with the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, just think about uh, the majority of the writers of the New Testament were Jewish. Uh, they were also the first in the missions budget of the Gentile churches, you know, sending money and advancing the gospel. And, of course, they'll be first in the final judgment and final blessing. Mm-hmm. So... That being said, it doesn't mean wow. better than, it just means uh, in order, if you will. Yeah. And so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think the church needs to wake up that if we're not aware of what's happening in Israel, if we're not involved to a certain degree, then we are missing the very thing that God said in the last days, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm concerned with. And if God's concerned with it, uh, not concerned, but if God is, is matters. matters to God, yeah. then how can the church say, we don't have anything to do with him. Yeah. And I think that's how we can miss out on a lot of the blessing of being involved in these last days. Yeah, I love so uh, Pastor Robert. You said, how can we know the Holy One of Israel and not understand Israel? Yeah. 
Yeah, so good. And a lot of churches, I say this because I grew up this way, they they believe that the Jews are forgotten now because they were the ones that crucified Jesus, and that's why they don't matter. It was their fault. But the Bible clearly states that it was our sin that that crucified him. It wasn't the Jews. And so we cannot forget about Israel. They are the apple of God's eye. God has made a covenant with them that he does not change his mind. He does not break. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, Genesis 15, 18, it says, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, and he tells you what he, he tells him what he's going to give him. To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so that specific plot of land with set boundaries was given to Abram and his descendants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when we hear, you know, the term the Jew first, that's what that means. Like PJ said, God is a God of order. And obviously we know that Gentiles are now offered, you know, that same grace through Jesus, especially. But as we're talking about the Jewish people and you mentioned Romans 11, and I love how Paul kind of talks about like a, a remnant of Israel being these Jewish people. And in verse 11, 11, uh, Romans 11, 11, Paul says, again, I ask, did they stumble so far as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all, he says. And so there's God's has this plan to where even when the Jewish people, even when his chosen people, Israel, even when the apple of his eye, fell short, which we see again and again in scripture. Yeah. God has already established a plan to bring them back. And in this, uh, in verse, at the end of uh, Romans 11, where Paul says that for all of Israel will be saved in verse, and that's in verse uh, 25 and 26. I'll read that real quick for context. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. When he says all of Israel will be saved, who is he talking about? He's talking about these Jewish people. And just like Paul wrote right there that, a savior and a deliverer is coming from Zion to help them and to bring them back. And we're going to get into that a little more. Yeah. Just adding to that, just to clarify, there is no way of salvation except through Christ. We yeah. know that as believers, yeah. he is the way he is the door. So we're not saying that Israel has a, a plan of salvation that you know, usurps or goes around Jesus. But what that just said to you that you read is it says they have blindness in part Mm -hmm. So that means, guess what? That has happened to them. That's been put on them. They can't even help the fact right now that they're so blind. Yeah. Scripture says they have it until, and God will remove the blinders, the fullness of the times of the Gentiles has come in. Mm -hmm. Then the deliverer will come out of Zion and all yeah. Israel will be yeah. saved. Then they're going to see Christ for who he truly is. Yeah. And they're going to say, you know, blessed he is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Emmanuel, God is with us. And they're going to see what we know to be the truth. So to clarify, yeah. Jesus is the way, and there's going to be a revival in the land of Israel. Whenever the Gentiles' time and everything's happened the way God said, that is going to rival any revival in history, and we're going to see a awesome. nation come yeah. to Christ. It's going to be powerful. It, it is going to be so powerful, and we're seeing it 
being initiated and we're seeing yeah. that happening yep. right now. And I want to go um, and read a verse real quick in Ezekiel 36. And now we just read Joel uh, chapter three earlier and how long ago that was 800 BC. And now we see in Ezekiel still, you know, and around 587 ish BC, we're seeing this again. This is pre-Christ pre obviously within the past 70 years. And we spoke to, or Joel spoke to how the nations would come together and that they would disperse God's people. And now here in Ezekiel chapter 36, he speaks of how the, how his people will be brought back. And so I want to read in verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you uh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. And so the plan here has already been prophesied and been spoken that God is going to bring his people back, his chosen people back. And so Second there's time. so much history here that goes on for so long when we're talking about, you know, borders and, and whose land does it belong to and what happened. And the enemy has been at work trying to establish this land as something or someone else's other than God's. That prophecy was fulfilled in 1948. That you just said, yeah. when they became yeah. a nation, they came back the second time. Uh, the Bible does talk about them being exiled the first time from Babylon in Jeremiah 25, 8 through 11, which says, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all the nations round about. And uh, so that was the first exile. And Ezra and Nehemiah tell us that they returned to the land, but there was that second exile yeah. from the nations. Yeah. And so there's two different ones. That's the prophecy that was fulfilled in 1948 when Israel became a nation. A nation. Yeah. Yeah. And so we see that in, in like you said, Annalie, in 1948, where that is fulfilled. Yeah. And there's been you know, attacks in the legitimacy of that. Mm -hmm. And were they justified in doing that? Why is that happened? And even as where you mentioned back in October, what happened, you know, in Gaza and what was going on in Israel, that has happened not to that capacity, obviously, but there's been attacks and different wars and different, you know, tensions way long before that, in between that, since 1948. You see conflict happen in a major way in 1967. You see, again, in 2018, there was a major conflict. Again, in 2021, there was a major conflict. And so this isn't new, and it's not recent. It's been ongoing, and there's so much history here that's biblical and historical that helps yeah. us understand these times. Yeah, the Bible is just so beautiful. And if your one takeaway from this episode is that the Bible is true and it is God's word and is living and is active. Like mm -hmm. I've just, I'm so filled with hope because there's prophecy being fulfilled right now in these times and it's all over scripture. One of the things I was studying 
I was watching Pastor Robert Murray's uh, videos, and he was going into the removal of the lash restrainer, and I didn't understand what that meant. And so he was basically teaching that the Gaza war is the removal of the lash restrainer, so it's the prelude to the peace treaty, which will then allow the third temple to be built and the rise of the Antichrist. And so in 2 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 7, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And this goes back to what you were saying about God's appointed time. In verse 5, when it talked about these things, um, pastor explained that it was the mystery of iniquity, the conspiracy of end times, the false antichrist, the devil manifest, uh, manifesting itself to this generation. And the restrainer is he restrains the premature manifestation of the antichrist. Uh, and he was going through different restrainers, but in that particular one, he was breaking down that it was the Roman empire or Rome. Mm -hmm. So this is where it gets cool with history. So in... 135 AD and around that time. I was looking into this guy, Simon Barcoba. He was leading the Jews into a revolt. Uh, he was considered a false antichrist because he led many Jews to believe that he was the Messiah. Um, and so they had this expectation of the homeland and the holy temple, but the restrainer, because it's not God's appointed time, so the leader of the Roman Empire was Emperor Hadrian. So in 135 AD, he gave these restraining orders. The first one by executive order was Jews were not allowed to ever go back to Israel at the penalty of death. Two, the name of the land of Israel was changed to Palestine, and he wanted to erase the name of Israel. So Hadrian changed the country's name from Judea to Syria, Palestina. And then the third thing was change the name of Jerusalem. So basically erasing everything. Uh, so he changed the name of Jerusalem to a pagan name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Alia Capitolina. And there they uh, erected statues that were of Zeus and Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Those were the gods that mm -hmm. the Romans were yeah. uh, worshiping at the time. And so it's just really wild of the moment that even Palestine mm -hmm. came in was from the Roman emperor in 135 A.D., and uh, another thing, God says in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 25, which I believe you read earlier, yeah. I will take you from all the nations and gather you from all of the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all of your idols, I will cleanse you. And in 1948, like you said, he brought them back. And that was through the United Nations General Assembly adopted resolution 181 and so the executive order of Emperor Hadrian was canceled and Israel yeah. was born a state. Like, yeah. it's just mind-blowing when biblical prophecy, it's God's word and it is true. Eyes. But to yeah. see it yeah. throughout ancient history it lines is up. confirming that God's word everything is true. he said. You know, yeah. it's funny because you're talking about just how everything points to them coming back into the land and marking the beginning of the last days. And it's interesting, in Matthew 24, 32, Jesus says something very, uh, it, could, it could be kind of cryptic if you don't know what this represents, but he says, learn this parable from the fig tree. Mm -hmm. Well, the fig tree represents Israel all yeah. throughout Scripture. 
when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves or sprouts, uh, he goes, you know that summer is near. You know it's the end. Well, in 1948, the fig tree began to sprout. Mm-hmm. The leaves, you could see the growth and you could see it back in its uh, harvest season, if you will, that they have mm-hmm. the land. Um, I would love to even take it a step further for a second yes. and talk about just the prophecies, um, even some prophecies yes. that were given um, centuries ago that actually point to this very time frame. You have 1948, Israel became a nation, 1967, mm-hmm. Six-Day War, when they got captured Jerusalem again. Yeah. And so many historical events, not just what the Bible says, but history, everything's pointing to this time. Mm. So talking about, you know, just historical things that have happened, things that have been said, written down, that all point to Israel becoming a nation again in the last days, the Jews coming back to Israel. There's an interesting prophecy by a rabbi uh, in 1217 AD. Now, once again, before I say this, I want to say that I don't know who this rabbi was. I don't know if he was, you know, on fire for Jesus or he was not, or, but it's just interesting that exactly what he wrote down and said in prophecy came to pass to the T. Wow. And so in 1217, uh, Judah ben Samuel is his name. And he prophesied um, that God would, in the la- well, that the Turks or the Ottoman Empire would seize control of Israel and Jerusalem specifically for exactly eight jubilees. Now, jubilee year is every 50th year in scripture. So if he said for eight jubilees, the Turks or the Ottoman Empire would control Jerusalem then you have every 50 years of the Jubilee. So eight times 50 is 400 years. This is, now, this is in 1217 when he said this is going to happen. The Turks could, took control of Israel and Jerusalem in the year 1517. Okay? <laughs> now, here, here's what, this is just going to get wild, okay? 400 years later, eight Jubilees, the Turks would control 400 years, is uh, 1917. And in December of 1917, General Allenby entered Jerusalem on foot, and he liberated Jerusalem, and it was officially out of the control that year of the Turks, of the Ottoman Empire, and he said, this is the land of Israel and the land of the Jews. And so at that point, the Turks in 1917 lost control of the land. 400 years to the year after Judah ben Samuel said, that's how long they'll have it. So now we're seeing, okay, he was accurate. 400 years, Turks will have it. 1917 was the 400th year. They lost control of Israel. Then the prophecy went on to state that one jubilee, which is 50 years, after the Turks or the Ottoman Empire leave Jerusalem or lose control of it, that it would Jerusalem would be reunited with Israel or with uh, the nation at that time. So there was a, a division going on there, and he said a, a jubilee later, Jerusalem will be reunited with Israel. 50 years after 1917 is 1967, which is... The Six-Day War, Jerusalem yeah, Day we yeah. celebrate today, when Jerusalem was now completely back under control and in the hands of the nation of Israel. And then he completed his prophecy by saying, one jubilee after that, after 1967, uh, it would mark the beginning of the Messianic age. Mm-hmm. 50 years from 1967 is 2017. And it's amazing that all wow. those prophecies had to do with Jerusalem, and in 2017, President Trump issued the Jerusalem Declaration saying Jerusalem, uh, the United States is recognizing it as the capital of the Jewish people. That was the first time since ancient times in modern history that any world power has (laughs) made that kind of declaration that Jerusalem's the capital of the Jews. 
So I don't know who Judah Ben Samuel was, but obviously that can't be a coincidence. <laughs> he was accurate. somebody. He was, so, he I mean, was just somebody. Think about how God, I mean, just everything points to that. There's yeah. so many things. And so once again, we're talking about this fig tree, Matthew 24. Jesus said, watch Israel, watch the fig tree, because when it blossoms, when it blooms, when it sprouts, you'll know the end is near. Yeah. And going with that same prophecy of the fig tree blooming, um, so Isaiah 27, 6 says, he shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Now, before mm. Israel became a nation, this land was desolate. The Turks, you know, like destroyed it, laid it to waste. Mark Twain even said in 1858, he said that in over 40 miles from Jerusalem, when he was there on a trip to Galilee, he saw only one tree and one person. So this wow. was like complete desert, yeah. laid to waste. And now you see Israel blooming and completely filled with actual literal fruit. Like you go there, there's trees everywhere. There, and that's just the prophecy yeah. being fulfilled. Wow, it's amazing. sprouting. Sprouting, mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. This is wild. Just, there's so much. There's, and we know this is a lot. Man, season two, <laughs> we are kicking it off yeah. and we are going there. But you cannot deny scripture that's been here that's been written thousands and thousands of years and we're having these conversations to think what a blessing first of all it is to be alive during these times to see these biblical prophecies and to see these things set in motion to see these things being fulfilled in our lifetime and if you didn't see our rapture and end times episode go back and watch that but guys we are in exciting times and we reiterate all the time man it's this is not something that we're talking about to to bring fear or you know worry or anxiety we know how the story ends just like the scripture talks about what's happening now and what's happening just like pj mentioned and and different things that are going on we also know what comes after that and we know that we have victory Ultimately, and that's something that we can be confident in. And the same God that was intentional in establishing what was going to be happening now was just as intentional in establishing what's going to come. And so Tracy mentioned earlier, you know, when uh, when you were talking about that emperor and you'd mentioned, you know, that's setting up the the peace treaty and that's, you know, then setting up the building of the temple and that's setting up the the revealing of the Antichrist. This is where we are now you know and in Mm -hmm. you know and pj you can interject whenever and and as as far as like treaty stuff goes and i know we've talked about that before but to think that the conflict that's happening in gaza now in israel now is the prelude to a peace treaty and it's setting it up and so in our rapture episode one of the things we talked about the peace treaty that comes that there'd be you know three and a half years of peace before there was three and a half years of the opposite of peace. And this is one of the things that, you know, we're seeing being played out that these conflicts and these wars, like a peace treaty, obviously people are wanting it. You know, you see the United Nations, uh, I'm sure working tirelessly to make it happen. And obviously death in any capacity is something that nobody desires or, or, or wants, and people are are crying out for all kinds of things. And so we're seeing, as we live and breathe right now, the makings of this thing being established. And so it's exciting that these things are unfolding 
right now that the stage is being set for this treaty, then leading into the temple, then leading into the Antichrist being revealed. And how wild is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, not knowing all of the specifics of what this agreement will entail, we do know from Scripture in Daniel 9.27, which says, He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven or one week. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. So from this scripture, we can gather some information that he will confirm the Antichrist will be at this peace treaty meeting, and he will confirm this covenant for one week. And with that, it will allow Jews to worship on Temple Mount according to their traditions, their sacrifices. So that means that there will be a temple there. Um, if they're allowed to sacrifice, then we know that there has to be a temple. So we gather from this, the Antichrist will set this up. There will be sacrifices, which will be stopped in the middle of the week. And we already know from our very first episode, the Red Heifer episode, that that Red Heifer is already in place to initiate the beginning and the, the building of the third temple. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, that really, it's just like God's a God of order, like we said earlier. So he does everything in order with what he said. And that the red heifer, you know, biblically, if you're going according to the law, has to be first in order to prepare the priesthood and the temple and the utensils for use for the sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So you have the domino with the red heifer, uh, and then you have just everything else that ha takes place. The sacrificing three and a half years, the Antichrist stops it. The interesting thing, I would love to add this, um, when we were doing our Daniel timeline, and speaking of the red heifer, I mean, just, just I'm, I keep thinking of all the things that point, like you said earlier, to just the truth of God's yeah. word and how, I mean, you can look back on history and see that everything God said, it fell into place exactly. Sometimes in the moment, you can't make sense of it, but it's looking back, yeah. you know, that happens a lot in life in general. But, you know, I, this is something in the Talmud that the rabbis wrote about with the red heifer and the sacrifice and how they had um, a strip of scarlet dyed wool that they would tie uh, to the head of the scapegoat and, scapegoat, and they'd also put on the, on the um, door of the temple. And whenever they had the sacrifice, the scapegoat sacrifice, um, they would know that their sacrifice was accepted whenever that scarlet dyed wool would turn white. That was the way, and that's the time it says they would know because it would turn white after Chills. the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. The craziest thing is, is that in the same book, in the Talmud, they go on to say, the rabbis, that the scarlet dyed will stop turning white in approximately 40 years before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. If you go back mm -hmm. in that 40-year time, you're talking about the time oh. that Christ died on the oh. cross. So they are saying now that this, this stopped turning white, which means that our sacrifices stopped being accepted. And they wrote down, these aren't believers in Christ, That's that crazy. at that time is when it stopped turning white. Wow. It's just saying, that once is... again, pointing back to yeah. Jesus is the Messiah, the word of God is yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, and they're shocked by that. Like, man, what happened? And right. we're like, I can tell you what happened yeah. about 40 years before the temple was destroyed. Wow. So this you just is... can't make this up. Yeah. It couldn't be a coincidence. That it's... Were you gonna say no, something? No, I just I was having a moment when Annalie was talking and just remembering like how we're here today. And obviously, if you haven't seen season one, episode one, check it out. It's really important. It's about the red heifer. And the three of us were 
at a ranch in Texas when the rabbis came from Israel to find red heifers. And so the red heifer that is set to be sacrificed at Passover this year, we were there watching them and I'll throw up film, but it's wild. Like, and now we're here with this podcast talking about this, like God has a plan and it's just, I'm, I'm emotional. This is crazy. We are a part of it. It's wild. And even Annalise, as you were reading in Daniel at the end of that, where it says he'll put in a sacrifice and offering and at the temple, you will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And so there's a lot, and we see the comments in the, you know, the, the commentary we're we getting, we're getting the messages and it's important to know and be able to interpret scripture in the right way. When we're talking about, you know, another temple and we're talking about red heifers and we're talking about continued sacrifices or sacrifices being stopped. It's easy to hear that and be like, didn't PJ just say that Jesus was the last sacrifice and that, you know, what do we need this for? And if that, if the cloth stopped turning white, like, isn't that evidence of that? But it's important to understand why and what is happening. That doesn't mean, obviously, we believe that Jesus was, in fact, the last sacrifice, the final sacrifice for us. And the need of that third temple is not a need that we're saying it's something to do with our salvation or something that's like a final piece of what we need to encounter Jesus and and to spend life in eternity with him. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is according to scripture and according to how end times plays out, these are the things that will take place that we can know are signs of the times that God gives us these things to look for and be aware of like we did in that episode to not be surprised by Mm -hmm. so that it won't come and hit us like a thief in the night. And so we get to have these conversations with you guys to help interpret these things so that when a time comes in the future where you're reading a news story of a red heifer being sacrificed in its global news, or you're reading a news story of a treaty being agreed on between, you know, uh, Jewish and Arab people. When you're reading in the news, a temple for the Jewish people is being built up and there may be the enemy's going to try to use that to confuse you and say, well, wait a minute. We thought that this already happened. What do they mean? Why do we need to do that anyway? And this is to help you guys understand what the Bible is talking about and recognize the signs of the times. And so there's so much in this that we we can go go on more scriptures and on for this. And even, and I was reading this, I know you were talking about, um, you know, when the, and this could be a whole nother episode when we're talking about Temple Mount and the Dome of the Rock and, and we're talking about where the third temple needs to be built right now. That space is occupied and, you know, that they're, they believe that it's obviously a, a very holy place for them as well. And how is it going to be for us as well? And are these things, does the Dome of the Rock have to be destroyed? Are they going to cohabitate? Like, I are mean, they going to be peaceful? Daniel 927 tells us exactly. that it's going to be there. That it so. will be there. And so, and I read this, I thought this was, was interesting. Um, it said, I was reading in an article and it said that there is an article in 2007 that came out in the, Tehuman, if I'm saying that wrong, sorry, the Tehuman, and it said an influential journal of Jewish law where there was a guy named Frankel, I believe he was a rabbi, but a guy named Frankel, and no, 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 I'm sorry, he was a young scholar in rabbinical school. So a guy named Frankel said, 
that there would be a different option because there was discussion surrounding the Dome of the Rock and would it be able to stand if the Third Temple was to be built? And apparently he was one of the first guys publicly in 2007 when this thing came out in this Jewish journal that said, hey, there's a different option. And he argued the Jewish doctrine regarding the rebuilding of the temple and said they can both coexist in harmony. And so just things to, to, to consider and think of that these conversations have been happening already. And when we start to see this news break out globally, you don't have to be shocked or surprised. Can I add more scripture to everything you're saying? Uh, So for the restoration of Israel and Amos nine 11 in that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Uh, and then in Ezekiel 42, 20, talking about the, um, the temple being built next to the Dome of the Rock. He measured it by the four sides. It had a wall round about 500 reeds long and 500, 500 broad to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. The sanctuary mm. being the third temple, the profane place being dome the Dome. The dome. <laughs> yep. Yep. And so, y'all, it's in scripture. In it. It's all yep. in scripture. We are in yep. it. And what a time. What a time. We'll definitely have to do an episode and and man on the third temple. On the third temple. Because it is God's temple. Yeah. This is not the Antichrist temple. He will have he will be there for a time, but this is God's temple and it talks about him coming, placing his foot there, and this is my holy Taking place. It back. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, we we know we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what we're talking about in pro- the light of prophecy is what's gonna occur after the end times what are we gonna we're gonna be around for eternity there's a thousand year reign there's all these things happening and so you know it's not satan is not the one in control of what's happening in the last days he thinks he's got it down but he's falling into god's plan just like he did with christ at the cross he's making the same mistake twice Mm -hmm. (laughs) two times yeah two times and so yeah and the last thing i was going to say is uh we're going to have to pj you're going to have to teach on just that the third temple and where it's supposed to be. And just, you've taught a lot of stuff directionally and all these things that I've heard. I'm probably butchering this right now, but I remember hearing you talk about this and being like, that is absolutely insane. And so we're going to, that might have to be a Patreon teaching so you can get yeah. comfortable and, and dig into it. And well, so if you're not this year, so we, we do have, have we some, ex- some experts too in that area. Oh yeah. We, we have all of them on. We have yeah. some exciting guests. Yeah. Um, again, that are experts in some of these things. And we cannot wait to see what God is going to do this year. If you're not signed up on Patreon, go sign up. We have discussions like this. We get deeper on things, and we're going to continue to go deeper there. And so we appreciate you guys' support in advance in that. And we're in season two. We're here. Uh, We're ready. We can't wait to continue to grow with you all. Maybe this is your first episode that you've watched of Faith and Friction. Welcome. Welcome. Strap in because it is going to get wild. And we believe Jesus is on the throne. Yeah. And he's coming back soon. Coming soon. He's coming back soon. See you all next time.